Well, today we're going to come from the book of, of Exodus. And so a lot of people are like, ah, oh, the Old Testament, mm. <laughs> But all throughout the Bible, it's so rich. And if we can approach God's word in maybe a different way, then maybe we can get what the Lord is trying to teach us. Okay? So when reading the Old Testament, we should consider, as it is written to the people at that time, what is the historical context, what are the messages in that book that the Lord is trying to speak that is for the people there, but it also is for us today. The miraculous nature of Scripture is that it bridges th- that time and our time. As we study scripture, we must read it with the intention to gain insight into our present day situations by applying the messages to our lives. This is a living, breathing word. It is meant to change and transform. It is not just words on a page. And so our our perspective is that when we read it, when we open our Bibles, that we should be ready for change. We should be ready for truth. And that's what I'm I'm wanting to help encourage you with today through God's word. And so we want to ask when we read the Bible, what are the eternal truths for the people of that time? And what what is the Lord wanting us to know through that? So most of the teachings in Exodus teaches us about the rebellion of the Israelites toward God through the wilderness. Well, today I'm going to take a different perspective. My teaching is going to be helping you see and understand the relationship between God and Moses in the midst of a time where the Israelites were suffering. And so we'll explore Moses' response to God and God's response to Moses. And in so doing that, I really want to encourage you to evaluate your response to God and God's response to you in times of suffering. Can we do that today? Can we position ourselves to kind of take on maybe a different perspective? Let's learn something new. So the book of Exodus, let's put it in historical context. Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. And as many of you know that he was sold into slavery by his brothers and... Through his journey of suffering, God brought him to a place of position in Egypt. And so God's purpose for his position was to be able to feed and protect his family through the famine. So this is why the Israelites migrated from Canaan to Egypt. And after Joseph died, the Israelites continued to multiply, holding on to the promise that God had made with Abraham to make them into a great nation. And so... We want to be able to put this in context. So Exodus is written, but before the book of Exodus was the book of, of Genesis. And so in Genesis, I want you to pay attention to how God was already preparing his people for what was to come. Just as in our lives, God has a way of preparing us for what is to come. But our misunderstanding of God in the midst of what is to come, we believe he's unaware, he's not there, he doesn't care. Today we're challenging that. So let's look in Genesis fifteen thirteen. God foretold to Abraham what was going to happen. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Wow, that was an encouraging word, right? 
Then I'll punish their slave masters. Your offspring will march out of there loaded with plunder. But not you. You'll have a long and full life and die a good and peaceful death. Not until the fourth generation will your descendants return here. Sin is still a thriving business among the Amorites. And so we know that God was telling Abraham what was going to happen, what he was going to do, and even why he was doing it. His why was there was still sin among the Amorites. right? And so God knew so much more than what we had than what Moses or the Israelites had perspective of, right? So how in our lives does God know more than what we can see? And so nearly 2 million Israelites became enslaved and brutalized by the Egyptians for about 400 years. Consider this. These are the questions that go in my mind while I'm reading the Bible, and I'm hoping that it will in, um, spark within you to begin to be curious and ask questions. But the questions that we ask, we must ask them in a way that we will get answers, not ask questions in a way that keeps like a bird flying into the, into the, uh, into the storm door, not ask the same question over and over and expecting to get a different answer. So let's ask different questions, okay? So for me, I'm like, wow, four generations, they waited. Do you think they had doubt, confusion, anger, uncertainty, fear? How long have you waited for God's promises? Or how long have you held on to hope for something in the midst of your suffering? What's been your response during those times? Were you similar to the, to the Israelites? Fear? Doubt, confusion, anger. I know I have been, right? We're no different than Moses, right? And so we want to look at what's been our our response to God during those times. So today we'll learn God's response to us during those times and Moses' response to him so that we can put ourselves in that place and we can maybe have a different dialogue with God. That's my hope for you today. So my hope is that with this teaching that you'll reconsider your position with God in the waiting for him to act, in the waiting for him to answer prayers that you've prayed for a long time over and over and over again. The waiting is hard, but we can wait differently. Let's learn how. So Moses is the author of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses wrote Exodus while the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. So in Exodus, we join Moses and the Israelites in their journey from slavery to deliverance to safety in the promised land. So the life of Moses, we can summarize by these events. Pharaoh ordered newborns to death. And so his mother placed him in a basket in the river. He was found and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He lived a life of Egyptian royalty. He had compassion for the Hebrew slaves who were being beaten. He kills the Egyptian for beating them. He runs away to Midian for fear that he will be found out. He defends some girls being mistreated at the water well. They tell their father of his kindness, and the father tells them to invite him to eat. The father gifts Moses with his daughter, and they have a son named Gershom. 
we have to understand the importance of names. Okay, so the Bible tells us that Gershom means I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. So one of the interesting perspectives here that I want to point out is Moses sees himself as alone, disconnected, given away, running away, hiding away, not belonging. So he names his son as he sees himself. How often do we name ourselves according to our situation, according to our suffering? So his suffering and our suffering affects our perspective of ourselves, of who God says we are. We don't listen to who God says we are. We listen to our emotional response to a situation and determine that that is who we are. So I just want to throw out a question. I want you to consider this. How has your suffering affected your perspective of yourself and of God? How have you named yourself? I am stupid. I am bad. I'm not wanted. I'm a failure. So suffering has a way of causing us to have a defensive, antagonistic, downcast, and even defeated position in life. Is that true? So I'm here to encourage you today that God knows about your suffering. He hears you. He's with you. And he will act. He's working all things out for your good and his glory. We can even read that in his word in Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So when we look at the life of Moses, right, we can see this scripture applied. God worked all things out for the good of Moses and his people because they love him and they were called according to their purpose. Same as with us. Same as with our lives. So while in Egypt we pick back up in, in Exodus two twenty three through 25, it says years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had not forgotten about them. He has not forgotten about you. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. That is so important. He knew that it was time to act. That wasn't like, oh, let me wake up and let me go do something. He knew. He already knew. He knew, what, over 400 years before when the time would act would be. And so how did God act or respond to suffering through the life of Moses? Let's, let's examine that a little bit. So he called Moses by name was the first thing. He spoke directly to him. He knew his name. Exodus 3, 2 through 4 says, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. He calls him by name. He says, Moses, Moses. Is there a time when God has called you by name or when God has spoken to you? So God even knew Moses' what his name meant, right? So um, the Bible says that, that when he grew up, his mother um, uh, 
took him and she named him Moses because it says, I drew him out of the water. So there are schools of thought that, that somewhat differ, but a theological explanation for the meaning of Moses in Hebrew is to draw out. So consider this. Again, asking more questions, but it's the, the right questions that we ask that give us revelation. Is it possible that his, his name already defined his purpose? God, could we say that he was named according to God's plan rather than his situation? So there was a time in my life where very specifically the Lord called me. He spoke to me. And there are many times, but this one in particular I just want to share with you. And I want you to be able to think back on a time in your life where the Lord spoke directly to you. wasn't anybody else, and you knew it was him. There was a time as a teenager where I, I, my journey of suffering, and, and I just, I couldn't bear the pain of what the suffer, suffering was bringing. And so in my mind, I had a solution. My solution was to take pills and I was done. And so I did. And as I was in my bed and, and drifting, the Lord was in my room and I had not had a relationship with the Lord. I knew of him, but I didn't have that personal relationship with him. But when I heard the voice speak, I felt the presence of God. I felt immediately a sobering up. And the voice said, this is not the plan I have for you. At that time, I didn't know Jeremiah 29, 11. Had, did not know scripture. But undoubtedly, undeniably, it was the Lord's voice. And when he spoke, I had clarity, I had peace, and he gave me instruction what to do. And from there, I was brought to the hospital, stomach pumped, lived, as you can see today. So, so the Lord definitely had plans for me that I did not know. For four years, I had suffered and thought, there is no hope. Any of you been there? Right? So I want you to know that the Lord does hear us. He knows, and there is a time to act, and he has a plan. So we see it in Moses' life. We could very well see it in each of our own lives, couldn't we? So the second way that God responded to Moses is he equipped Moses for his purpose throughout his life. We may see it as his suffering, but God's intention was never to harm Moses. In fact, we can see that throughout Moses' life, God's hand of protection was upon him. Right? Yeah. And so how we view our story will determine how we will journey through it. So considering Moses' Moses's story, what perspective can we have as we study his life? More questions. Was he given away or was he rescued? Was he abandoned or adopted? Did the royal life he lived keep him from his heritage? Did he begin to do what he was created to do even before he knew his purpose? So get this. Throughout his life, he had compassion. He defended the oppressed. He got away from injustice, and he found a new home. 
about was Moses' life. The life of Moses reflects God's response to the Israelites. God had compassion. He defended them against Pharaoh. He got them away from injustice. He delivered them. And he brought them to a new home. So we have to know that if he did that for Moses, he is doing that for us. So the third way that God responded to Moses that we can take from the book of Exodus is he he reassures Moses of who God is. So God introduces himself to Moses in Exodus 3, 6. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So in essence, in this scripture, God is, is, is letting Moses know his history and connection with him and his family throughout all of his lineage. Is God connected with you throughout all of your lineage? Absolutely. So let's, let's see what, what, again, look at what does a name mean. I am who I am. It can be translated into, into several, several understandings. It, it says, I, it means I am, I was, I will be. I will be what I will be. I will be whatsoever I may become. Okay. So that seems kind of vague, right? Kind of abstract, right? Well, let's consider this. In relation to the Israelites, God was reassuring Moses that he will become whatever they need him to be as they journey. Can you say after me, God will be whatever I need him to be in my journey. Now that doesn't mean that God's a puppet master and he'll do whatever I say. No, no. He will be what you need him to be. Not what you want him to be, wish him to be. Right? He is the constant. He is the same. He knows what you need. And he can be that for you. And so in Exodus 13, 21 through 22, Scripture says, when we talk about God will be, I am who I am. The day, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Here's the part of the Scripture I love. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar by night left its place in front of the people. Isn't that reassuring? Yeah. So how is it that God is with you? He's not left you day nor night. And he goes before you. He is with you. He's beside you. He's above you. He's around you. Yeah. Let that sink in a little bit, right? I want that to be encouraging for you where you are today. The fourth way that God responded to Moses is he shares his participation in the journey. He lets Moses know how he was there. So while Moses' story is being lived, God certainly knows what's happening. He explains what he has seen and what he has heard in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue 
to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. So let's look at that again. And scripture says, I have certainly seen the oppression. I have heard the cries of distress. I am aware of their suffering. I have come down to rescue and lead them into safety. Those are truths. That is what God did. It's what he said he would do. It's what he did. And what we can know he will do and maybe is doing for us now. So reflect on your own journey. Maybe we have some similarities to Moses. Maybe your abandonment or slavery looks different. But what about your emotional experience? Is that the same? Right? Fear, doubt, insecurity, anxiousness. Absolutely. And so here are some truths that we want to we wanna learn from Exodus. Okay? That we want to take away. The Lord has seen the wrongdoing in your life. He has heard your cries. He is aware of your suffering. He is close with you. He has plans to rescue you. And he will lead you into safety. So I want to encourage you to set your heart and your mind on these truths. And let's apply them to our lives. You may not have all the answers right now to all of your questions. You may be angry with God and with others because of what happened or what didn't happen in your life. You may have had too much of the wrong thing and maybe not enough of the right thing. Love may have been misrepresented or even withheld from you in some way. You may have experienced losses of loved ones too soon or disappointment of unfulfilled dreams or experiencing some chronic illness that, that doesn't seem to be able to be healed, okay? You're walking through something, you have walked through something, and you will be walking through something. Yeah. Our situations are going to change. Does God change in the midst of them? No. Let's see how he stays the same. Okay. So whatever the story of your journey looks like, I want to remind you that God knows, and it isn't too late for him to act. He is aware of your situation, he knows when it, when it is time to act. He knows how to act, and he knows all about your suffering. I've said it before, but y'all, isn't that what we doubt so much? Over and over, almost on a daily basis. So it warrants saying more than one time, so we can sink in. So we can absorb it, we can receive it. Right? And so the fifth way that God choose, that God responded to Moses was he chose Moses. He tells him in Exodus 3.10, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Throughout all of his life, throughout all of his suffering, God's plan for Moses' life prevails. Throughout all of your life, throughout all of your suffering, God's plan for you will prevail. So as Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. How often is our position with God in that he is trying to harm us, right? Scripture says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Absolutely, amen. 
So what I want to shift on to now is, now that we know these truths, I want to look to see how did God respond to Moses and how did Moses respond to God? Okay, let's evaluate that. And as we do, I want you to listen to these conversations because they're, they're not much different than the conversations that we've had with God. Yes. At least I know with my conversations with God. Okay? So God tells him that he's sending him to, to, to Pharaoh, that he must lead his people. Moses' response, we're in Exodus 3 and 4. Moses' response is he protests with insecurity. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh and to lead the people? God reassures him, I will be with you. Moses protested again with fear, having, fear of having no credibility. Who should I say sent me? God replied, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. God then begins to tell Moses what will happen, how they will respond to him, and what God will do along the way through Moses. Moses again protests with doubt about the authority given to him by God. What if they don't believe me? The Lord displayed miraculous powers through Moses, providing to him all that he needed and Moses, so that Moses could know that he could trust him. Moses again pleads with the Lord with excuses of being inadequate, not being tongue-tied, not having the right words to say. And in Exodus 4.11, the Lord answers, uh, answers Moses by asking him questions. See, the Lord taught me how to ask questions. The Lord says, he asks, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Again, Moses pleaded with resistance. Send somebody else. Have we done that? I have my own Jonah moment in life where I told God, "Mm -mm." (laughs) do you have yours? Had Moses' moment. So then the Lord became angry with Moses, as it says in Exodus 4.14. Why would the Lord get angry with Moses? Let's understand this. Moses wasn't listening to God's reassurance and truths. He was listening instead to his insecurity, his fear, his doubt, his excuses, and his resistance. We so often will respond to God in the same way in our journeys. After today, my hope is that we were, I can remind you of how God responded to Moses is the same way that he responds to us. Yes. It's not with anger first. And oftentimes we will resist God thinking the anger comes first. Not accounting for our part in the relationship that we brought to God. Right. So look how we bring that to God. In fact, let's take notice of how we often respond to God. He sees us, we know that from from his word, and we don't look for him. He hears our cries, and we don't listen to his voice. He's aware of us, and yet we feel as though he has forgotten us. He is close to us, and we believe that he is distant. He will lead us, and we will disconnect from him, and we will lead ourselves. Isn't that how we respond to God? 
Why do we respond to him in that way? Y'all have ever asked that question? God, why am I responding to you in this way? Probably not so much. We're like, God, why are you? Right? God, why am I responding to you in this way? Oftentimes we assign motives to God's behavior that were never the intention of his heart. God is often misunderstood. In our misunderstanding of God, we begin to mistrust him. In every relationship we're in, no matter if it's husband, wife, um, spouse, uh, child, parent, um, friends, boss, employee, it doesn't matter what relationship. Misunderstandings lead to conflict, confusion, and anger. We pull away, we guard, and we protect ourselves. We assign ill intent to the other person. True? Who's done that? (laughs) Absolutely. Why would our relationship with God be any different? Well, it can be. You ever thought about that? It can be. Maybe we can learn some different relational patterns. It's possible. If we can be more mindful of our responses, can we not now make changes to respond differently? Yeah, that's my hope that I encourage you to to consider that today. Consider these things. How can you respond differently? Because if we do the same thing, we'll get the same results. If we make changes, we could get different results. Brilliant, right? Ask yourself, how do I want my relationship with God to be different? And then ask, what do I need to do differently? Because part of our struggle is that we have two truths that kind of collide. So the truth is that the Bible gives us example after example of how God's warning, his patience, his mercy, his grace are given or offered before anger, right? And another truth is that our stubbornness, our rejection, our resistance brings the Lord to anger. Is it anger because he wants to throw, throw us away? It's anger because he loves us so much, right? Have you gotten angry before because you love someone so much and they're destroying themselves, they're hurting themselves, they're, they're, they're resistant and you can't break through and you can't protect them? Isn't that a natural anger, a normal anger? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we wrestle with these two truths, and we don't want to make changes on our part. We demand that God be the one to change, or the other person in the relationship be the one to change. But here's what we need to know. God is not an angry God. In fact, the Bible says God is love. Right? But the other truth is we are a stubborn and insecure people. Who can admit that? Yeah. And so if we can admit that, maybe we can do something with it. Right? So let's adjust our perspective according to these truths. And if we can accept these truths, we are then responsible for making additional adjustments in our response to God. So let's consider these things. I want you to do your left hand instead and your right hand Maybe I can consider. You ready? Okay. Instead of wondering why this is happening, 
we can maybe consider God knows what is happening before it happens. We can know that he is ready to hear our cries and has already determined to be present with a plan for deliverance to safety. Instead of doubting him, maybe we can consider trusting that he does not mean us harm. Instead of feeling alone and abandoned by him, maybe we can consider how he's always with us. Instead of giving him our protests, maybe we can consider giving him our willingness to cooperate and surrender our stubbornness. Instead of holding out, holding on to our anger, our insecurities, our fear, maybe we can consider sharing them with him so that he can give us comfort and reassurance. So just like Moses, we respond to God from whom we believe ourselves to be, not from the truth of who God is or who he's called us to be. So perhaps it's up to us to change, not God. As we know him more, we can trust him more, and our faith can grow more. We must be more willing and trusting and surrendered in our relationship with God, in relationship with others, right? So we can learn to see our situations through his perspective rather than our own. God is the same. It's our situations that change. If we can see our situation through who God is, rather than looking through our situation to determine who God is, we really would suffer less. Won't change our situation, but it will surely change our response to it. And oftentimes we believe that we have no control. Well, we want to control the situation. We want to undo it. We want to redo it. But that's not where our control lies. That's not our authority. That's not our ability. That's God's. The only responsibility we have is controlling our response, controlling us. So let's see what Exodus teaches us about God. So God's roles throughout Exodus that Moses began to know who God is and how God is. He learned God is the creator God. He's the Lord. Where God challenged Pharaoh as God. God showed up, right? God was the reassurer for Moses. He says, I will be with you. And in fact, in, in, in Isaiah, there's another scripture, Isaiah 41.10, that says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. It's another scripture we can lay down on our foundation to stand on, and, and that can be our solid. Moses knew God as the deliverer from slavery. He knew him as the defender as he, he defended them from, from the Egyptians. He knew God as the protector as clouds by day and fire by night. He knew God as provider as he provided manna and quail. He knew God as the instructor. He gave instructions and laws for order. He knew God as the miracle worker. He saw the signs and wonders, right? God displayed them through Moses. He knew God as the way maker. He parted the Red Sea and he took them the safer route. 
He knew God as the healer. There were no diseases in the wilderness, and, and he performed miracles of healing. He knew God as the redeemer. In Exodus 6 through 8, it says, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Do you see the reassurance? Do you see the hope? Do you see the redemption? And he knew God as comforter. His presence helped Moses to feel secure and reassured. Do we know God in any of those ways? Has he shown himself to you in your situations in any of those ways? Good. Maybe there are times where you're still wondering, Lord, you say that you're the way maker, but I don't see a way being made in this situation. Hold on. You hadn't passed 400 years yet. Hold on. God is faithful. Our time and God's time, two different, two different things, two different realms. Moses also began to know God's character through his journey. He knew God, he has known God to be omnipotent. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He learned God to be patient with his protests, right? He learned God to be dependable. God did what he said he would do. He knew God to be trustworthy, that he had good intentions for them. He knew God to be attentive. He was aware of their suffering and their needs. He knew God to be merciful. He heard their murmurs and complaints the entire time, and he didn't change their mind about them, even though he knew their stubbornness, and he was still faithful, even in their unfaithfulness. He knew God to be a God of order, he does things in a specific way with purpose to establish safety. He knew God to be bold. He did things that could only be done by God, the plagues, parting the Red Sea, and God was not intimidated by those around him. He knew God to be wise. God knew Moses. He knew how to communicate to him. He knew God to be powerful. Nothing prevented God from being God. So later in Exodus, Moses knew God's character and how I am who I am revealed himself to him. So let's look at, because of Moses' experience with God, how God showed him their relationship, how it strengthened, how it became more intimate. Moses began to trust God more. Let's see the difference now in Moses' response to God. Okay? Because I want us to be able to, to know that it's possible for us to have a different response with God. Our different response with God will give us a different experience with God. Okay? And so we read about the new covenant between God and his people on Mount Sinai. So in Exodus 34, 6, it reads, When God told Moses about himself, he said, I am Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 
I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. That is who God is. Can you place who God says he is in your situation and see how your situation may look different? Moses' response to God now was to throw himself to the ground and worship him, asking God to travel with them, meaning don't leave us, continue to stay with us, and admitting that his people were indeed stubborn and rebellious. What would happen if we were to admit to God, confess, I'm stubborn and I'm rebellious? And then Moses intercedes for them, and he asks for God's forgiveness for their sins and their iniquities. Moses had just modeled for us our appropriate response to God. So can we position ourselves with God today from what we learned about him in Exodus? Can we consider another way? Yeah. So consider what that may look like for you, where you find yourself. Considering the suffering that you've endured, may even still be enduring and will yet to endure. As we know better from today, who I am is, can you put your trust in him? Psalm 910 tells us, and those who know your name put their trust in you. Have we not learned who I am is? We've learned what his name means. We know how he shows up. We know his character. We know his unfailing love. We know his presence. We know his plan. Yeah, we know his compassion. We know that he hears our cries and he has a plan and a time to act. Amen. Apply that to your situation. Could you maybe respond to God differently in that way? And what then could be the richness of your relationship with him? How then could you live out your faith? How then could you encourage others to reach out to God for the same experience that you've had? Wow. So something to think about. It's so important for us to ask questions to God. He's got all the answers. His book, his word has all the answers. We don't often ask any other question, but why, God? Why? And we stay drowning in the why. We stay drowning in the protest. That's what why is. Why is really telling God, undo this. Stop my suffering. That's what our why is. Our why is implying that God doesn't know us, he isn't aware of us, he doesn't care. That's a position that is never meant for us to be in with God, right? His word gives us the opportunity to know a different position. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Have a different position. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to consider what has been your position with God. What has been your protest through your fear, your insecurity, your doubt? 
What, what has made up your resistance? What has made up your stubbornness and your pride? Consider that. And as Moses modeled for us, he confessed, we are indeed a stubborn and rebellious people. I wonder if as you spend some time with the Lord, we can confess, I am indeed, Lord, stubborn. I am indeed resistant. I have indeed been rebellious. I have been prideful, Lord. I have been independent of you, thinking I could do it my own. I have rejected you, Lord. Please forgive me. Please forgive my sin, my iniquity. Please forgive my misunderstanding of you, my mistrust of you, Lord. Lord, as we sang this morning, you stepped into my Egypt. You led me by the hand. You marched me in freedom out into the promised land. Can we make a declaration of that is our new position for God, to our God? This is what you've done for me, Lord. This is who you are. And your love is unfailing. You're trustworthy. You're dependable. You have a plan for me, not to harm me, but to give me a hope and a future. Lord, I declare today that that is my new position with you. And from that position, I'm going to receive your goodness. I'm going to declare your goodness. I'm going to ask you some difficult questions, Lord. But you know what's in my heart, but I'm going to bring them to you. And instead of just why and protesting, Lord, I'm going to ask questions for deeper understanding. I'm going to ask questions based on truth of who you are and how you're there with me in the midst of suffering in my journey. Help me, Lord. Lord, I pray a renewed and refreshing relationship for each person here with you. And as they renew their relationship with you and reposition themselves toward you with with being responsible and being receptive to your love, Lord, I pray that you also affect other relationships in their lives. That we can use Moses' response at the end of Exodus as a model for us. Lord, help us to, to not stay in slavery and bondage where Moses was first entering into a relationship with God with fear and resistance. Lord, but move us through that wilderness into the promised land into a new relationship with you I thank you for your word today Lord may it be seated in each of our hearts and may it bear fruit in each of our lives thank you for your unfaithful love we thank you for your truth and all of this we pray in Jesus' name Amen Amen